This episode of Energy Sense is brought to you by IHS Markets Financial and Capital Markets Energy Advisory Group. Our team of experts provides the investment community with actionable insight and integrated thought leadership that identify the trends and trend makers of global energy markets. Solutions cover the full energy and natural resources sector, from traditional fossil fuels to emerging clean tech ideas and supply chains, and are available via recurring reports, webinars, robust data sets, and personal engagements with experts. All right, welcome back to Energy Sense, an IHS market podcast devoted to topics that lie on the intersection of energy and finance. This is Hill Vaden, and I'm here as always with Brian Darty. Brian, how are you? Uh, I'm great. I'm. I looked at the calendar today. Much to my surprise, January is over. Basically. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> and it's Thursday. It not not only is January over, but this week yeah, is the week's over. Up. And. I, I'm, I've got to tell you, what what day are we? The 27th? I think we're the 27th. 28th. 27 days into 2021, and or the 28th. There you go. Case <laughs> in point. And I'm already behind. Like, <laughs> I, I I don't know what to tell you. You know, you go into the new year saying, you know, what, this year, <laughs> I'll I'll stay in front of everything. I'll I'll get in front of everything. And then within 28 days, nope, uh, 100% falling behind already. Uh, there's maybe a little bit of time left to to, to catch up. To try to catch, I'll catch up on Saturday. Maybe that's what I'll do. There you go. Bad rush. <laughs> well, so so today uh, is a a bit of a sequel episode. We, we've got Brian Manalastas and Mike Shapiro back from last year's episode, which was somewhere around I think around March or something last year, where, where we titled it "Trading Places" and talked about the influx of retail investors in, in, in the energy space. Uh, Brian, Mike, how are y'all? Uh, doing well, thanks. Um, glad to be back. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, glad to have you back. Well, I guess before we kind of get into to more of the, the, the energy topic, g- given that it's a sequel uh, and, and given that the, the title of the last episode was Trading Places, which I don't think they've done a sequel of Trading Places yet, have they? Not I don't think so. They should, I feel though. like the story has been ad- like adapted in several different ways, of yeah. tra- like the Trading Places concept, but I don't think it's actually... Well, it's, uh, it, I mean, Hollywood seems to be completely out of ideas, so, so it wouldn't shock me if, if they do <laughs> a Trading Places sequel at, at some point soon, especially with all of this this week's, you know, kind of focus on call it new investors uh, uh, m- moving against uh, established investors uh, in the way that happened with uh, Orange Juice Futures and Trading Places. But but cool. as we're thinking about Trading Places or, or, or sequels, the, the new sequel that is supposed to come out, uh, that this spring is coming to America, uh, another Eddie Murphy film. You know, are, are any of you looking forward to it? I assume we've all seen Coming to America. Many times. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my sweet spot age-wise. So definitely, <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it. Um, you know, watch the trailer. I I don't know how it can be bad, although you wonder how good it can possibly be. But I'll still be watching. Um, just to see the, the barbershop stuff again, uh, I'm in. I'm with you. It's one of my favorite movies. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm really excited to see it. I rewatch it quite a bit, actually. Maybe it's because it always shows up in random streaming services. But I'm, I'm a little bit worried that it's going to disappoint me. But I feel like even if it does disappoint me, it's not going to take away my love for the first one. Right? You know, it's not going to sour. Yeah. The movie yeah, maybe it'll surprise so to the upside, like Cobra Kai. You know, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe the sequels are are on on the on the upswing. I, I don't. I, I think. I mean, Eddie Murphy has been at, at, 
probably more careful with his legacy than anybody, but maybe Rick Moranis. I mean, Rick Moranis just went after Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, like three or something. I don't know which sequel it was, but he 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 said, I'm out, right? Eddie Murphy, after Shrek or something, got out of the game. Like, well, that's, don't mess with coming to America. I mean, that how, how can one improve that? that? That's a good point. If he's willing to come back, it's got to be good. Well, or, well, let's be honest. I'm pretty sure the paycheck is good. I mean, he hosted SNL, was it? It was recent. Was it last year? It was pretty recent. It was very recent. It was outstanding. I mean, he is outstanding. And yeah. you don't, I don't think that I fully recognized how outstanding he was until, you know, you're used to watching other hosts, maybe. And I feel like he blew it away. And I, I don't think I'm particularly biased. Like, I've, I've liked his work, but it's not like I'm some sort of Eddie Murphy fan, you know, diehard fan or anything. But um, cool. I thought that he was on point. I thought he did an excellent job. And so... I think that he he's figured out how to keep things relevant. So I, I've got high hopes for this yeah. refreshed version. Yeah. Brian. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's like the OG stand up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Richard Pryor may disagree. But wow. go on. <laughs> you can't really go wrong with Eddie Murphy. So definitely looking forward to it. I, I am concerned on just expectation management. I have, I, as a general rule, I, I won't watch movies when I've read the book because I always think the book is better than the movie. And I'm just not sure. I mean, that that scene with uh, the with, with sexual chocolate uh, singing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember the name of the song right now, but that is so good <laughs> that I don't see how you can come back from that with uh, a, a sequel. I could have sworn I saw sexual chocolate in the trailer, so I think I think they're coming back. <laughs> well, so I guess now is our our move to 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 come back from 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 last year's trading places and, and cool. hopefully release a, a better episode on a discussion here of um, I guess energy investment, whether that be retail or institutional investors and. Um, Mike, maybe a good place to start is just update us over the past, call it year that that uh, we, we've been watching. This energy has been in the doghouse. Um, now, cool. now there's some uh, green shoots, I guess, for both traditional energy and uh, emerging energy. Can, can you kind of put that into perspective before we go into the into the weeds? Yeah, uh, definitely. I can sum up the most of the last year pretty quickly. Nothing happened. Like there was <laughs> there was no investors. Our, our clients received no inbound calls. There was really nothing going on. There was no interest in energy. Oil prices were declining. There was skepticism over, skepticism remained about EMP's ability to, to remain disciplined. Um, Long-term demand, short-term demand with, with the COVID crisis and everything else. There, there really was nothing going on. And then heading into uh, the election, investors remained bearishly positioned towards energy. And um, there's concerns about a Democratic White House and, and what that meant to federal lands and, and just a lot of rising rates. A lot of concerns remain and kind of all at the same time when there was some positive vaccine news and a, and a rollout was coming, oil prices started to find its footing and started moving higher. And things started turning up for the energy stocks. They started uh, they started doing a lot better. We even saw a pop up in the rig count, and and off we went. And 
from about, I guess, early November through even just recently, even this week, energy stocks have just gone way higher. I mean, we were looking at the S&P energy 1500 index and they're all up 60, 70, 80%. There's been there's been tons of buying at the fund level, very little selling, maybe some deep, deep value investors have moved out, but mostly we're seeing investors um, coming in and it's been a pretty amazing rise of late. And and our clients are getting calls, tons of calls. They're going they're on virtual conferences, lots of inbounds, a lot of investor interest. So things have have really uh, turned around here for the big guys and small guys alike. Um, well, it um, the, the recovery started more with the higher quality, bigger names. And as the oil prices continued to recover, we started seeing some rotations out of some of the winners into some of the laggards and some of more of the higher betas EMPs were starting to benefit as well. And, and some of the larger value yield investors were, were chasing, rotating some of the ones that had run and looking for better value entries with some of the laggards as well. So it was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy and and the entire space just moved higher. In terms of momentum, Brian, are, are we still seeing people move into this? If everybody's moving higher, is the pace of movement changing at all? Hell, that's a really good question. You know, we we really saw on a net basis that that institutional money were again, to Mike's point, indiscriminately buying almost all oil and gas subsectors, really at the beginning of November. And then it, it kind of strengthened into December to year end. And now what we're seeing is it's it's kind of petering out a little bit into January. So, you know, we're, we're definitely seeing a bit of a, a pause uh, from a capital flow perspective from our institutional guys. Um, so interestingly, retail on, on the flip side, you know, when we saw them buying pretty aggressively over the summer, They've actually been sellers here into the strength. And so they're, they're, you know, dumb money, so to speak, is selling to smart money here, which is which is kind of interesting. So I, I think we'll have to see what what flows will will dictate. But so far, the momentum is still uh, pretty much there, uh, just just tapering back a bit. And there's a, I mean, is there a slight repositioning go, going on or, or maybe slight's not the word, but but if uh, if the quote unquote smart money is getting into energy, is it getting out of if we looked into that? Yeah, you know, so the other hot spot we're seeing definitely is the renewable space. Um, so the alt energy space, so to speak. I mean, we're definitely seeing dollars kind of flow into that space uh, pre- pretty strongly. You know, I think we were chatting before this. Take a look at that the Invesco Solar ETF. You know, the TAN ETF. That's the 12 12 year chart or 12 month chart, so to speak, because you know it was up over 200%. So so we're definitely seeing some some money flow into there, and and really where the money's coming from is is, is tech. Yeah. From a flow perspective, that's definitely where we're seeing some outflows. And moving into energy. And, and what, right. I mean, aside from some of the obvious, what, what's driving the renewed interest in, in energy across all sectors, I guess? If it's both traditional energy, sounds like it's both traditional and emerging energy that, that's a uh, net beneficiary. Is it all ESG? Is it all oil price? To be a, a combination, but but the oil price is definitely front and center here. Um, we've had lots of conversations over the years with buy side professionals, and the first thing they mention is oil price stability in every single conversation. And they now have that. And they, in generally speaking, people are feeling pretty good that we may not move a lot higher from here, but there's a pretty good floor in oil. And um, it's giving them a lot of confidence to put money to work. Um, you know, as we mentioned, higher beta names are attracting capital. 
rotations are going on. So there's definitely activity. And as, as Brian mentioned, it's tapered a little bit, but these stocks have run over a hundred percent in a lot of instances. So it's, um, it, it's probably an unnatural time to have a, a a slight pause. Yeah, overwhelmingly though, it does seem like there's a preference for mid to large cap EMPs and and your typical IOCs, right? Um, so not so much the small cap names, although we have been seeing pockets of, of inflows there as well. Do you think that the longer there's stability in oil price that we'll, we'll see the inflows in those smaller guys creep up? That's right. I think we, we, we definitely are seeing that. I mean, investors are moving out out of the risk curve here. Um, so, so, so definitely seeing some inflows here on the, on the institutional side into your smid cap, you know, higher beta names. And you, you mentioned briefly, Brian, the retail uh, institutional difference. Is there, it, what well, sounds like, so, so, so the institutional investors are um, all, all of a sudden becoming more interested in traditional energy at, at a time when the retail um, it, re- retail is losing interest in traditional, or that, that's right, it's it's almost like they've made their dollars and they've moved on. I mean, you know, we're seeing outflows across all your typical pure play retail accounts. You know, your Robinhood custodians, um, Schwab, TD, you know, E Trade, all, all your 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 top retail custodians have been observing weekly outflows really since the end of of September, um, and that's really intensified. Um, into December, while inversely, you know, institutional dollars have been flowing in, and it almost seems like you know the, the retail crowds kind of moved on to your your GameStops, <laughs> you know, your highly shorted names. It's uh, it, it's quite interesting how really they it seems like they're quite a sophisticated bunch. It, it's so fascinating because back when Coming to America came out, you know, the perception of the first one. Retail investors were always perceived as being kind of dumb money. They were the bag holders. They were nervous to buy and they'd finally go in and just completely enter at the top. Mm-hmm. And the group is very different. And, you know, we're seeing large, deep value investors moving out, you know, after making a good amount of money, as well as retail, deep value in retail moving out and handing the shares over to um, value, more growth momentum type of investors. So it's a very different look than it used to be. And we think that they'll stay up. We do. We think they've they've moved on. It's, um, it's pretty amazing. Um, it's very different. So what do we expect to see you know, kind of going forward on on, on both sides of this. I, I guess maybe let, let's start with the traditional energy space um, and then talk a little bit more about the the emerging kind of clean tech space, which seems to have all of the enthusiasm of, you know, kind of scalable software companies. What we're hearing and, and what has never left the conversation is EMP's ability to remain disciplined. Are they going to start dumping the money back into the ground? Are they, you know, are they going to wait for 60, $65 oil? Investors have never stopped being concerned about that historic behavior, even though for the most part, EMPs have demonstrated capital discipline for many quarters at this point. Um, but there's also big concerns about longer term demand away, given energy transition. There's some large macro factors here that may be significant headwinds still out there. And we, we may have just seen 
the best energy has for a while. I hope not, but it's it's possible that that it might move sideways for quite some time. Is there was, a, a difference? Uh, I guess Brian, before we get into that, Brian, uh, Mike, is there a, a difference in some of the, the the gas versus oil exposed names, or 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 both yeah, moving together? Um, yeah, the 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 data that Brian and I reviewed showed um, net net inflows of institutional capital towards oilier names as oil prices moved up. Net gas has remained pretty flat, low and flat, and and that we haven't seen a material pick up on that front. Um, is that fair, Brian? That that is fair. Yeah, and I think what what's particularly interesting since you touched on on this hill is um, this rotation into renewables into the alt energy sector is very real you know i mean it's all this buzz on esg you know initially our clients felt that it was it was more of a a talking point kind of like a a a checklist of of something you needed to do to to clear a hurdle with uh with the buy side but what we're noticing is that it's this the tension um you know it's it's really picking up um from the investment community it's 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 sticking and and so you know we're, we're we're noticing that a lot of teams are dedicating more man hours, more resources to this ESG concept. And and I mean, just take a look at what the renewable renewable space is doing, right? That the absolute change in total dollars invested, at least from what we're able to see from the issuers, we have visibility into is is pretty significant. So, you know, we think that's here to stay, and that's real competition for traditional oil and gas. And are there parts across the the value chain of the renewables that that you think that this has been focused specifically, or do we have that granularity that we can sort of break that? Yeah, up? we we so we're so far we're we're able to see. I mean that that's that's a side of the business we're we're trying to build out here. Um, to be to be frank, but uh, you know we're we're seeing mostly in clean energy utilities and and solar so far. Where's um? I mean, talk a little bit more about utilities. Uh, is that kind of caught somewhere in the middle? Um, but between traditional energy and clean tech, it is. But the but you know some of the names that we have, there the investors are are very excited about the, the renewable side of it, and that that's really where the focus is. You know, it's very interestingly. You know, we work with a, an IRO, <clears throat> excuse me, an investor relations officer on the renewable side has exposure to the renewable side and. Um, he's starting to see some of the old energy investors again. Some people he hasn't seen for years and years are showing up to talk about the renewables now that they're this exciting growth opportunity and traditional energy has really become more of a, a yield play. It's more mm-hmm. like it's in the seventh inning, whereas the renewables are in the in the second inning. And so it's just, he's he's like, oh, so this is, this is where you went to. This is where you've been. You know, he used to call me all the time about oil and gas. Uh, <laughs> so it's uh, it's kind of uh, funny in a way. Are you seeing any differences in the profiles of investors b- between the, the clean energy and traditional in terms of value versus growth? Or is it fa- fairly even across, you know, call, call it both sectors, if they can be looked at in that way? Yeah, there's, there's definitely growth investors moving towards renewable. And we're seeing mostly value and yield names on the on the traditional energy side. Yeah, Hale, that's an interesting question. I think we're we're seeing a lot of energy dedicated funds um, split their attention, so to speak, between traditional and you know alt energy. Um, a lot of these hedge funds um, have been spending a lot more time, um, you know, in the clean tech areas, as you can imagine, um, especially with energy kind of in 2020 not not doing so well or traditional oil and gas, so to speak. So, 
So I think we're seeing more of that. And 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 you see this capital markets realigning themselves to that as well, right? The sell side and a lot of these middle market banks and analysts are increasing their coverage universe to cover clean tech. Um, so it's a, it's a bit of a land grab right now. That's a great point, Brian. There, there are old, older specialist traditional energy focused hedge funds that are that are starting up new funds and and almost closing the old funds or shifting a lot of the resources towards new funds focused on renewables. Definitely changing their approach. Is there a risk that um, this acceleration in that sort of investment towards the renewable space is going to get too hot too fast and then in essence create a bubble? Is that is that something that could could be on the horizon or, or do we think that it's pretty these are you know in for the long haul type investment strategies? I mean, I think both. I think it maybe it's over. It could be overheated at this point, um, and it's not that easy to switch over to solar. It's expensive. Those types of headwinds are are still there um, on a personal, the homeowner and and whatnot. Um, but longer term, you know, they're they're mandating switches over to EVs, and and this doesn't seem like it's going to reverse anytime soon. So it seems longer term that traditional oil and gas is still going to be under a lot of pressure. So what, I mean, if we're looking at this, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, are there any kind of surprises that, that we've seen and have changed the way that we're looking at the space from that kind of institutional investor standpoint? Or, or is, I mean, the, the idea, Mike, that oil prices are driving this in a sense kind of reconfirms much of what we've known that no matter how different things are, things are still the same. Yes, I, I unfortunately agree that that without a strong oil price, we're going to lose a lot of the interest. And the stability, I guess, you know, the, the, the perceived stability of the oil price just, you know, it kind of keeps us in a in a sweet spot for a little while. It, it does. Um, you know, there the, the discipline that's been enforced here basically mandated by the street has been implemented so it kind of creates a range where there'll be there'll be more activity in the 60s there'll be less activities in the 40s global demand long-term demand is going to slow but the supply is controlled by that range on the u.s front you know internationally it's hard to imagine opec doing anything unusual again given the world's moving, becoming a little less dependent on oil, on, on oil than it was. So it it seems like all these macro factors are pushing this into a bit of a range um, longer term. I think you raise an interesting point, though, because I guess it reinforces the idea of the importance that investors are playing now in potentially producer behavior, particularly within the, the U.S. onshore, right? That the they're going to be disproportionately penalized if they start growing too fast because the investors will start pulling out. And I think I think maybe the behavior that you've just described really actually does reinforce that thesis that everybody, everybody thinks it, but your data is actually really starting to show it now. So what I'm hearing from you, and, and please um, you know, tell me I'm wrong here, that if oil prices start going down, which would probably be because oil production ramps up, right? Then we would see a retrenchment again in the investors pretty quickly. Yes, yes. It seems like it's kind of a it's kind of a loop almost where 
where the investors are going to lose confidence as oil moves lower towards 40. And as it moves back up, they'll have a little more confidence. Yeah, it seems like we're the whole space is sort of locked into a range for for the time being. You know, if if real, I'll jump in here real quick. Um, you know, if real time capital flows is an indicator of what's to come in in the near t- you know near, near future, I think what's interesting is we're seeing institutional capital a lot become a lot more sensitive um, than than you know historically in the past. And and remember, like the entire shareholder composition for your average EMP. Um, or, or even just across the spectrum has changed significantly, right? Retail ownership has increased over time. And while that has been on a down, downward trend, I mean, it's still relatively high, you know, compared to where it was a couple of years ago. So because of that ratio has changed, um, I think we, what we're really seeing is, to Mike's point earlier, that there is a lot more sensitivity here. I mean, the momentum can shift literally in a day. And and that's something where we haven't really seen, you know, in the past because, Typically, we'll see steady, consistent inflows across your your typical long-only custodian, and that's that's rarely the case these days. So yeah, to to Brian's point, we we saw a lot of the generalists leave the space for years as energy went from fifteen percent of the S and P five hundred to two percent, and this bounce back is only taking it up to two point five percent. So we 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 really haven't returned to the the glory days of this. And we have not really seen a meaningful uptick in generalist investor return. It's more increase in interest from the ones who are still active in the space, as opposed to bringing back investors that have left the space. Those those investors have not returned. As I just told you, they've been calling our our friend who's an IRO who who works on the renewable side somewhat. So they're they're still over there. They haven't come back to traditional oil and gas. I think one of the interesting things, you know, you were talking about you know, discipline and, and, you know, when some of these oil and gas names were, were once darlings, it was all about the growth and all about the the, the first mover advantage, you know, that you know, a lot of these companies said, we, we got to get into these plays. We got to get in big. We got to get the biggest acreage. It's not far removed from what we're talking about with renewables right now, that scale is such an advantage for, for both types of companies and the scale possible um, with, with things like solar from, from you know, the, the episode that we did a few weeks ago. I wonder if, you know, the next time we, we, we speak or, or sometime in the future, whether five, 10 years, whatever it is, it's the renewable companies where discipline becomes the card and it's the, the, this need for scale at all costs. At some point, the investors are going to rein you in. So, so, so there might be a blueprint here for, for some of these uh, emerging energy companies to, to look at uh, the traditional energy companies. Yeah. Interesting to see how that unfolds. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I guess that's a, a decent place for, for us to leave this as a setup for a, a, a future sequel. Maybe we can do this like the whole Rocky series, which I think is in like Rocky. What You're, you're now Apollo. Apollo 2 was effectively Rocky 4 2, but a weird sequel <laughs> to, to have called it that. So, so, so maybe we can come back with a, a Trading Places 7 or something. Uh, Jason, I guess, was a multi. Is that probably the longest running sequel series, uh, Friday the 13th? Uh, not that I've watched them, but Fast and the Furious has become a pretty big deal. <laughs> yeah. 
We've got about a hundred of those, right? <laughs> All right. Well, well, something for us to aspire to. Uh, and uh, so, so, Brian, Mike, uh, thanks both of you for, for your time. Uh, Brian has been having some technical difficulties, so if you, if you want to say goodbye, then wave. Uh, and uh, <laughs> otherwise, we will uh, pick this up uh, the next time. I'll give a wave. There you oh, go. Wait, that sounds okay. <laughs> that sounds perfectly noisy. Well, wave. I guess this is it. Is that obviously the the powers that be knew I had nothing valuable to say here today. I just <laughs> with my mic until the closing of the show. Well, thank you very much, everyone. Thanks for having us, guys. To read additional insights from our team of experts, visit our blog at www.ihsmarket.com/energyblog. You can also find our experts on social media by searching for IHS Market Energy on either Twitter or LinkedIn. Have a topic idea or want to send us feedback? Email our podcast team at energysense at ihsmarket.com. This podcast contains information and insights copyrighted by IHS Market. To learn more about IHS Market Energy solutions, visit ihsmarket.com energy. That's ihsmarkit.com forward slash energy.